0: You're listening to A Medical Miscellany, a curious casebook of brilliant discoveries, scientific advances, bizarre cures, and some downright quackery. Dr. Peter Kay and Sean Aita. Episode 2, Patients and Surgeons. Right Pete, in the last episode you told me what the origin of the word doctor was and uh, I was wondering if you know what the origin of the word patient is or what it means.
1: I had a slight worry you might ask me that question so I looked it up and it comes from the Latin patiens which means to wait a very long, very long time, very long time in a queue. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's a perfect, <laughs> no, perfect. No, description. It doesn't really,
1: doesn't really, but but the, the word patient is sometimes nowadays particularly apt, isn't it? That you've got to be so patient because it's all taking so oh. long in this country at the moment. But it comes from the word patient, which means to suffer. So it's the one who suffers is the patient. Um, but actually, I think the word patient's rather good because it means you have to be patient when you are a patient.
0: Yeah.
1: Both in terms of losing your role, often you've, you know you you are now a patient, you are now somebody who's sick. In a sick role, you lose whatever role you had, the busy, bustling life you had. You've got to be patient with the new role. But you've also got to be patient with time, because time's a great healer. So I think patience is quite a good word for this role role that you have, because we all go from being a person to being a patient, don't we?
0: We do, absolutely. And there's a ritual that goes with that, isn't there? They strip you and they put you in a gown that's rather humiliating, and you suddenly feel very vulnerable, actually.
1: Have you had that experience?
0: Oh, many times, yes. And Have actually, you? well, relatively recently, I, I had a prostate operation um, not all that long ago. And I did feel, yeah, that I'd just kind of transformed into this object to be operated on. Did, did, did it, on. it sometimes yeah. make you feel angry or um, shy? Feel, or... It didn't make me feel angry or shy. I, just, I think I just felt vulnerable, really, and, mm, uh, mm. yeah, uncertain of my position.
1: Yeah. I've suddenly got a memory um, of... a. Uh, when I was first a casualty officer, and um, I heard that this chap had come in called James Cameron, and there's a very famous journalist in those days called James. I was so excited oh, yeah. it might be him, and it was him. And so I got to sort of talk to him. He he came in complaining of being short of breath, and so he was going to be to, first of all taken down for a chest X-ray to see what was what was, what was happening with his lungs and. Um, that was high on the order of the list of things to do. So um, having examined him, I said to him, right, well, I chatted a bit about his journalism, which was interesting to me. We've got to just take you, send you down to the X-ray department now. And so he started to get off the trolley. And I said, no, 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 you stay on the trolley. He said, well, where is the X-ray department? I said, It's just up, up the corridor. He said, how far? I said, it's not very far, 30 steps. He said, well, I'll walk. No, 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 you can't walk, not now. No, no, you stay on the trolley. He said, well, isn't isn't it interesting? He said, I've just walked right across London to get here. But now, the minute I'm walking through the yeah. door, I've become a patient, and I'm not allowed to walk anymore. Yeah. And yeah, I thought that was quite yeah, an interesting observation. It is absolutely. Yeah. Mm.
0: And um, doctors apparently used to have, um, uh, you know, the white coat. Mm. Um, that they mm. didn't originally wear a white coat. Is that?
1: that they, that's right. I think you know, going back before the end of the nineteenth um, century, when it all the, the white coat kicked in about sort of eighteen nineties, um, doctors used to traditionally wear a black coat. Um, because it hid the stains, all the stains oh, of the God. blood and everything else. Was, uh, so they, they're always traditionally all black, not white. So it's funny how we change, isn't it? The, fact, the thing about boys and girls—you know, pink used to be a, a, a colour for soldiers, and now it's now is a colour for little girls.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Um, so yes, it's it happened. I think um, uh, there's a very famous American surgeon called William Holstead, right? Who is an interesting story in himself because although he was set reckoned to be one of the greatest ever american surgeons an absolutely brilliant surgeon and very 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 famously slow and detailed mm-hmm. um the joke was that um, when he's sewing up the operation at the end the joke was that when he got to the top of the scar the bottom of the scar had healed because it took him such a long time <laughs> to sew up
0: well, isn't that exactly the opposite to who was the surgeon who accidentally cut off the... oh yeah robert liston <laughs> And yeah, well, in those own.
1: days, it was all about speed, wasn't it? Well, about how he got there, he, he, he changed. He, well, he changed the whole paradigm of surgery, actually, in many ways, because he was, he was brilliant, and he invented lots of operations which were named after him. Um, the the, the um, holster, um Mastectomy is one, okay. which is no longer done so much. But lots of operations and, and instruments that are named after him. But anyway, he was very interesting because he fell in love with his um, sister, operating sister. And she got a very nasty dermatitis from the cleaning antiseptics they were using oh. in those days when they realised that you had to wash your hands very carefully. They'd got that by then. Yeah. But she was getting a very nasty allergy. So he organised for a company, a local company, to make some rubber gloves for her. And once she was wearing them, she really liked it. And then the other people in the operating theatre thought, well, that's a good idea. So they all started doing it. So his whole team started doing it. And then he, from there, he thought, well wait a minute, if we're going to try and avoid infection in the first place, rather than, rather than just sort of try and treat it when it's there, why don't it like try and avoid it altogether, which we now call the aseptic technique, which he introduced. Okay. Saying, okay, we need to wear proper clean clothes that have been cleaned, um, uh, steam, uh, steam cleaned so there's no viruses or bacteria in them, on those days, bacteria, uh, hats and, and gloves and everything. So he introduced all that. But one of the things that's very interesting about him was that for 30 years he was a highly eminent, highly respected, excellent surgeon but he was also a morphine addict. He was on high doses of morphine every day, wow. which in those days wasn't illegal. And it had started out by him him and others investigating cocaine and getting addicted to cocaine. And then he thought he would try morphine to get off the cocaine, but then he got, a, he got addicted to the morphine. And he was on high doses, on 200 milligrams a day, guess, and functioning completely normally and well on that.
0: Well, actually, I think I read uh, somewhere that um, some types of... Addict can function perfectly well provided they have access to the thing that they want yeah. to use. Well, I think he's an
1: example, isn't he? That must be the case that some people can just get away with it and just be high functioning yeah. addicts. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like
1: high functioning alcoholics. <laughs> and that's where I come in. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And uh, what, what was the meaning of the golden-headed cane that doctors had? What was
1: that oh, about? Oh, that was like the, the sort of wand of office at one time. Now, nowadays, we, we, we have a stethoscope, don't we?
0: We do, yes, absolutely. If you see um, a picture of a doctor, you expect to see a stethoscope.
1: Yeah, you? yeah. It goes with a white coat, doesn't it, the stethoscope?
0: Yeah, and you didn't actually tell me why then the white coat had come into being, because it, obviously wearing black, it covers all the stains, etc. Yeah, yeah. Why suddenly turn to white where you can see all the blood?
1: Well, I suppose, it's, I suppose the theory is that you can see if it's clean or not, but actually, uh, we, we, we can't really see okay. if it's clean. So they're, they're still filthy, but it's microscopic filth. Uh, yeah. um, so, but, but the idea was to make sure it was clean. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah. But it became again a symbol, didn't it? You know, if you're on television, if there's a, somebody in a white coat, they're either a scientist or a doctor.
0: Indeed, and, uh, and there's a thing called white coat syndrome as well, isn't there? Yeah, that, that's uh, right. It that puts that's, people's that's... blood pressure up if they. That's it. Yeah. Encounter yeah.
1: yeah. If doctor. you go in if you go in and have your blood pressure taken particularly by somebody who's rather officious, you tend to shoot up and <laughs> be too high. Whereas if you have it taken on your bed lying at home and you're relaxed, it's quite normal. Yeah. So there, the white coat syndrome, is a, it's, again, it wasn't recognised for a long time. That was happening. Yeah, people, people were getting too many high blood pressure reading because it was being caused by the doctor. <laughs> it's called iatrogenic medicine where the doctor, doctor-induced doctor illness. Doctor-induced illness, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, I mean, people are terrified of going to dentists, people are terrified of hospitals and going to see doctors anyway i mean you know, they tried to avoid the doctor didn't they certainly mm. in the past mm. i mean yeah. when i look at your uh, information about the 16th 17th century people were desperate not to go yeah. to the doctor yeah. yeah
1: it was usually usually last resort to, to particularly for surgery yeah very much a last resort yeah
0: well i suppose it was almost a sentence of death potentially wasn't it it um, was yes it was samuel peeps yeah. who um uh, you know, completed his will shortly before he was operated on. That's yeah.
1: absolutely right. He um, he before he started it, just before he started his diary, had a a bladder stone removed, and it was a very very dangerous thing. And as you say, he made his will because he thought he may not come through it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and took great care to choose his surgeon and his he I think one of his cousins looked after him. He arranged for one of his cousins to look after him. But he was terrified, of course. No, yeah. one would. It was a very painful procedure because in those days it was called cutting for stone, and they literally cut through um, the skin uh, underneath the scrotum in, and find try and find a stone. Ooh. Yeah, very, very painful. No anaesthetic, of course, in those days.
0: It's funny that they seemed to get these stones in their bladder in that, you know, 17th, 18th century. It was very mm. common, wasn't it? It was
1: common, yeah. I think it was just a combination of, sort of the dodgy water supply and very frequent infections meant it was very common. As children and... Yeah. Adults would get bladder stone, which was famously painful and unpleasant. Yeah. It was, they had a word for it called strangury. Yikes. The pain of bladder stone was called strangury, which I think is a very powerful word because it was strangled with pain. Mm. And the pain of trying to get water out and blood, push out blood and the oh, pain of it. Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. And wasn't there somebody who, who operated on himself for
1: it? Yeah, there was. There was a famous Dutch chap who had, he had two operations already and um, had, they hadn't worked. Right. They hadn't found a stone. So he was pretty desperate, because it's a desperate situation. You can imagine, you can't sleep, really. You yeah, have yeah. pain all the time. You can't... You're going back and forth to try and find somewhere to pee. Yeah. There's blood coming out. It's a horrible condition. And it used to drive people literally to despair and say, right. well, I don't care if I die. I've got to have something done. Yeah. But this chap, um, having had it twice, he said, well, I'm not going to do it again. And he took it upon himself. He was a blacksmith. Right. And he thought, well, I can do this. So he made himself a very sharp knife. Very <laughs> sharp knife, I guess. And um, he said to his wife um, one day, when he thought about it, um, "Go down to the market, darling, and um, I want some. I'd like you to get the, this list of things." So he gave her a job to do: is so get her out of the house, and uh, then he got his servant to help him. And his oh, servant, lucky servant, lucky servant. Great yeah, so, job. so that the blacksmith was able to um, operate the knife. I don't know whether he had a mirror or not. Perhaps he did. I'm not sure. Um, and the servant's job was to put his finger into the blacksmith's rectum, and to push <laughs> upwards to make the stone bulge out against the skin. Um, and meanwhile, he was holding up his scrotum out of the way. And amazingly enough, he he, he tore he, he made three cuts apparently, right. and it wasn't deep enough. So then he tore it open with his fingers. Oh. And I guess it probably wasn't as painful as it might have been because it would have been quite fibrotic and scarred from the previous operation. So, okay. so anyway, he did it, and he got out this thing. And there's a f- famous painting of it of a, of a size of a an egg
0: size of an egg size of a like a chicken's egg. Egg.
1: size of a chicken egg yeah wow and, uh, and interestingly the the painting shows's got a scratch mark on it where he was cutting against it to oh. get his out Ah. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah I mean very some people were very very brave weren't they incredibly to do that self operate like that
0: uh, wasn't there also somebody who um, uh, broke up a stone in his bladder as well yeah I think, I think there
1: was um there was an ama- amazing character who was an Indian army officer. Oh, yeah. Really big uh, character. He was He was famous for all sorts of things. Um, and he, sadly, you know, got a bladder stem, which would have been driving him bonkers. Yeah. He didn't want to go down the surgical route, because he thought, I'm probably going to die. So he tried all sorts of medical things like they did in those, and none of yeah. which worked, you know, squirting turpentine down and oh. trying different diets, and none of it worked. So in the end, he thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to just do something about this, because he got pretty desperate. And... Um, he devised a knitting needle, or he sort of re- redesigned yeah, it, sort yeah. of like 10 inches long it was.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think he had a bit of whalebone in there somewhere, like a sort of file bit on the end. Right. And he inserted it up his own urethra <laughs> through his penis into the bladder e- and started clunking it against the stone inside. Right. Clunk, clunk, clunk. And he would do this between sort of three and 12 times a day, <laughs> chipping away at this stone. I mean, Dude. incredible, isn't it? That, to do that, that to be so discipline. desperate, yeah, to yeah, be yeah. so desperate to do it. Anyway, he did it. And after six months, he, each time he did it, he'd pass a bit of gravel out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he succeeded. And he lived for another, I think, 18 years and had and a very you know, successful life. He, he died from a bladder infection eventually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, larger-than-life character.
0: Wow. That's
1: and brave, isn't it?
0: amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is brave, absolutely. So, um, yeah, uh, and also uh, in the early days of, of medicine as well, there was this... Um, kind of confusion between barbers and surgeons why why were they barber surgeons what was that yeah
1: about? um the mists of time well i think it, they started off as very much just craftsmen they, it, it, yeah. the, it surgery was the lowest of the low at one time it was yeah. just um, if you wanted a shave so you actually barber for a shave and then well things they've got a knife out if you wanted something cutting they're probably the right people so yeah. they were the ones who started doing the bloodletting
0: Ah, yes. And bloodletting yes. goes
1: is a, got a long, long history in medicine. Yeah, um, it was the one treatment that doctors could do I, and believed they, in, and everybody else seemed to believe in it.
0: Well, it was very visible, wasn't it? Yeah, it was something you can see. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, they're actually practically doing
1: something. Yeah, something yeah. happened, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so they'd make a little cut in the vein, and it would drip into a bowl of blood, and uh, it was a way of, get, of, of changing the balance of what was it called the humors in the body to try and shift it and make you healthier. And it, many, many people believed in it for hundreds of years. Mm. So that's the way, the way it happened historically. The barbers became barber surgeons because they were the ones that the physicians would say, right, um, instruct them to, to take some blood. Yeah. The, the, the physicians felt they were too good for that, but the lowly barber surgeons were the ones who gave you a shave or, or cut you. And then from there, they went on to sort of sometimes cutting, you know, opening up abscesses and that kind of yeah. thing and became more and more yeah. of a craft, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, gradually became more of a craft. Um, well, it
0: was interesting because you were telling me about the the difference between being a mister or being a doctor as well. That that kind of related to surgery, of that you were mister to begin with, and then you were doctor, and then you were doctor. Yes, And that's then if right. you became a surgeon, you were mister again.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, again, that that goes back to the barber surgeons because they were very much they were the, the low low misters. Yeah, they yeah. certainly weren't a doctor, right? And then they weren't allowed to call themselves doctor, obviously um and but, but then, as surgery became more refined, gradually more refined uh and able to do things um they it's certainly by the beginning of the sort of you know, end of the eighty in nineteenth century surgeons rather like the idea of having all this power that yes. they've got and yeah. being able to cure things yeah. so they, they, were, they hung on in, proudly hung on to the mister them because they didn't want to be doctor, they wanted to be mister by then yeah. and so they, they clung on to it but it's again it's a, it's a cultural thing it happens in this country but not all countries so some countries think we're a bit bonkers calling our surgeons mister and they get very confused about who's who
0: interesting, ok well we've reached the end of episode 2 so uh, thank you Pete and we will continue anon great fun So in our next podcast, look out for the Resurrectionists.